Hi, everyone. As we continue our six-part series on embedded finance in partnership with the Leaders in Payments podcast, in this episode, I speak with NEAM Chief Product Officer Robin Gandhi. He and I discuss NEAM and its role in the payments ecosystem, as well as taking a deep dive into embedded finance. When it comes to the future of embedded finance, Robin will be the first to say that the momentum is not slowing down and, in fact, is only speeding up. We also spend time talking about who gets disintermediated in the embedded finance journey and what does it mean to the industry as a whole. So let's start the podcast now. This special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast titled Be Solid is brought to you in collaboration with NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale. In this six-part series, we're going to discuss the embedded finance revolution, why it is so powerful and growing exponentially, and where it is heading. Most importantly, what does it mean to your business, whether you're an ISV, ISO, Payfac, or bank? In a world of squares and stripes, be solid. I think you're going to start seeing companies like us that have a whole bunch of licenses that are tech forward, that are basically going to say, hey, like I gave you the basics of what you could do from an embedded finance perspective. Now I can take that and up it another level with the financial products that I can offer because I now have the regulatory constructs, the compliance constructs, and I have the licensing to allow me to do it. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot more of over the course of the next few years. And I think that's where we want to play as well. That was Robin Gandhi, the Chief Product Officer of Neom, and he is my special guest on this episode, episode 234 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. As we continue our deep dive into the Be Solid campaign brought to you by NMI, Robin and I discuss Neom and its role in the payments ecosystem, as well as taking a deep dive into embedded finance. We touch on the importance of modern APIs, where embedded finance is heading, the global opportunity, and much, much more. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Robin, and welcome to this episode of the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we're going to be focusing on embedded finance. So welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to be here. I'm excited to have this discussion. Great, me too. So tell us a little bit about your current role at Neom and a little personal and career background about how you got there. Yeah, so I am the chief product officer here at Neom. I've been here since January of last year, so I've been here for about a year and a half. Yeah, if I went through all my personal and career uh <laughs> we'd be taking a lot of right and left turns. But I've been in the payment space for a while. I was I was at Adyen for about six years, which is kind of where I really got deep into payments. There, I was there from 2014 to 2020, so really when we were a pretty small company here in San Francisco and just globally. And over the course of that time, you know, I managed to have a number of different roles that I kind of took on from acquiring to issuing partnerships, data, so the whole gamut. And then I ended up leaving Adyen right around the time of the pandemic, and I went to a enterprise travel company called Trip Actions, which is a strange time to join a travel company. But it was pretty exciting because we were building out a payments infrastructure and a spend management offering, and it kind of gave me the opportunity, because travel was down, to basically be able to build something 
pretty pretty unique and that product is doing extremely well but i came over here because i think that the flip side of what adian was doing and adian for those of you who may not know it does global merchant acceptance so like being able to buy a pair of nike sneakers or take an uber anywhere we kind of do the flip side here at neom right which is basically being able to send money to those Uber drivers or being able to send money to Airbnb hosts or anyone who's a contractor, supplier, or anything else in between. So yeah, that's a little bit of what I'm doing today and how I got here. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little more about Neom. So you explained a little bit about what the company does. Maybe if you can peel the onion back a layer or so and give us a little more detail about the customers and the size of the company and sort of your target market, those type of things. Yeah. For sure. I mean, look, in the end, like I said, like we're kind of doing the flip side of the coin, which is basically moving money out rather than accepting money. And so that basically means that what we're really good at is basically being able to send money from point A to point B. We are focused on enterprise businesses and we're a straight payments infrastructure play, right? So we want other businesses to build on our infrastructure. And if you think about like, what we're doing in general, right? We're basically saying, you want to move money from point A to point B. How can we basically have as much geographic reach? So that's one thing that we focus the product team on. And then also, how do you get payment options reach, right? So like, can you transfer money via to a bank account, which most banks can do, but then how can you do it over a wallet? How can you issue a card to basically send money outbound? How can you do an OCT transaction or like a Visa Direct uh, or a MasterCard Send transaction? And then whatever else comes after that, right? Like maybe it's sending money via crypto, right? So like that's kind of what we focus on. And I guess like if you think about the main areas that we, main types of customers that we're targeting today, it's really financial institutions or PSPs. It's travel customers, a lot of them being OTAs. And then payroll platforms, so payroll platforms like Rippling, Papaya Global, companies like that. And then spend management, right? So companies like Mesh, and Zip, and others, right? So that's kind of what it looks like uh, in terms of who we're powering basically to get money from essentially a business to another business or a consumer. Okay, and is it mostly international type payments? A lot of it is international. I think like if you look, our bread and butter is really international. And I think one of the reasons that customers come to us is that we're also focused on real-time payments. And so in as many markets as we can offer real time. One, we've seen volume on those corridors grow the most, but yeah, it's basically like, hey, I have money in X currency and I need to get money out in Y currency. And the faster you can do it, the better. And so like, that's where, especially, you know, like the US is obviously moving to Fed now, hopefully this summer, but there's 30, 40 countries outside of the US that are already on real time, which kind of is, is nice for us to be able to create a network in which companies can move money through our system and get it to where they need to go as fast as possible. I would assume it's somewhat of a challenge from a product perspective to build something from a regulatory license perspective for so many different countries, I mean, do, do you run into that as a challenge? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, look, that's the hardest challenge of this, right? I mean, I think that building tech on top of the licenses is relatively the more easy thing to do, right? I mean, you can get great engineers, you can get great product managers, but like getting licenses and getting the regulatory stuff right 
is the hardest part. I mean, for me, I came on, we have 11 licenses that cover 40 countries, and we're continuing to build into more regions and more countries that we can kind of go direct. But this stuff, it takes time, right? And you look at our team from a compliance and regulatory perspective, it's pretty strong. And you kind of need it to be that way in order to move money in the way that we do, because like, there's just a lot more scrutiny on moving money this way, right? Like buying a pair of Nike sneakers, generally regulators don't really care. But if you're sending money to somebody, then there's like, terrorist financing, there's sanction screening, there's money laundering. And so like making sure that you get that right and that you can convince regulatory bodies that like you do it well, it's not easy. And luckily for me, Prajit, who founded this company, like really spent a lot of time just getting that part right. So yeah, no, I mean, that's the hardest part for sure. Right. Well, what would you say differentiates Neom in the marketplace today? Yeah, I mean, I think one is like this geographic reach in real time that we do extremely well. I think if I were to go back to my days when I was at Adyen and and I were to ask any of the Ubers or the Airbnbs or the Upworks and I would say, hey, how do you get money out? Most of them would kind of groan and say like, oh man, it is so hard. And I think what we do really well is we kind of take the transaction all the way to the last mile. And having that end-to-end connectivity really allows us to do more than you can get from a lot of other providers. And then we're basically saying like, hey, who are we servicing and what can we do better for each of them, right? So like one thing that we've been talking about recently has been like, how do we service payroll customers really well? I think it's important to be able to say, I can move money anywhere as fast as you want, but then like that can get commoditized, right? And that also means that you're not really driving additional value. So then in the payroll segment, we say, okay, well, what do you care about as a payroll platform, right? Like, and what do your underlying customers care about? And ultimately, like, they're basically helping to pay contractors and employees around the world, and people need to get paid on time in the amount that they expect. And so we're basically creating products and tools that allow these companies to basically say, hey, like, I'm going to be sending payroll on day 30. Three days before, I'm going to send, can I send you like the list of people that I'm going to be sending money to so that if they are going to hit a sanction screening hit or a money laundering hit, like I know ahead of time. And if it's a problem, then we'll stop it. But if it's like, hey, the the first name and last name match and I kind of need a birth date, I'll send you the birth date before payroll so that somebody actually gets paid the amount that they expect on time, right? So like stuff like that is like what we're doing, right? So I would say to answer your question (laughs) a little more simply, what are we really doing? It's like one, let's just get that geographic and, and payment optionality, right? But then let's really look at our individual customers in like broad strokes with the customers and what they want. And then how can we give them more than just like moving money? How can we give them stuff that really causes them pain within the payments process? Right, right. Well, as someone who has been in payments for a while, I'm sure you're very familiar with some of the terms like embedded payments and payment facilitation or payfac or integrated payments. To me, those are all buzzwords that have now been around for a few years. And what I want to talk about a little bit now is like, how do we look at the world beyond just the embedded payments? So to me, the next logical step is embedded finance, so products beyond payments. So how do you view or how do you define embedded finance? I mean, I think like 
you're right. Like it's been a really buzzy word. And I think like inherently when we talk about embedded anything, we're basically saying like, how can I, how can I provide a financial service for something that isn't really a financial service? Right. So like, or is tangentially related to a, a financial service. And I think like the two things that I talked about, spend management and payroll fall into that bucket. So when we talk about embedded finance, like what are we really saying? Like, we're basically saying, okay, can you generate a virtual account for me in a certain place for me to basically move money to somebody else? Like that's the infrastructure that we provide. So we're somebody else would embed us into their stack to be able to do something that's not truly like finance as their key business. So whether it's embedded finance or whether it's embedded payments, it's basically like, okay, can I find infrastructure in there that allows my overall experience to be cleaner, better, more sticky? Can I get access to it using some of the APIs that infrastructure companies like us are building? And to me, that's what embedded finance is. And like people have talked about banking as a service and all these other things. And I think they don't really mean anything. The question is like, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Like, are you... And this is one of the things that I said when I when I got here. I said, because we used to talk about ourselves as banking as a service. And I said, what does that really mean? And I think that when we started peeling the onion, then we said, okay, well, you know, it really means that we're going to create virtual accounts in certain areas. Like, we're going to create virtual accounts around the world. And then we're going to pay out to certain people in, either in their bank account or into their wallets. And then we'll also do issuing. And so I said, you know what, like... <laughs> let's stop calling it banking as a service. Let's call it for what it is, right? We do issuing payouts and fund-in mechanisms, right? Like, And it's just a lot easier to understand, but then like, how do you use it? You use it for like a lot of these solutions that are using us today, which is like, hey, we're built payroll. What are they providing? They're providing like regulatory cover. They're thinking about like, what are the tax implications? What's the employment law in a certain region? They're providing a ton of value-added services around being able to do payroll anywhere in the world. And what we're doing is we're saying, okay, like this is not core to what you do, but you can embed this financial product within your service and just make it a lot better, right? Right, right. So you mentioned APIs. So sort of the next question around that is, how has the trend of what I'm going to call modern day APIs helped to facilitate this movement towards embedded finance? I mean, I think it's integral to everything that's embedded finance, right? Like, because in the old days, like, you wouldn't be able to build any of this stuff if you didn't have modern APIs, right? Like, I mean, I think a simple example that's not us, right? Like, is like if you think about what modern treasury has done, right? Like, they're basically putting a modern API layer on top of traditional bank APIs, which is almost crazy to think, right? Like, right. <laughs> it's not that banks don't have APIs, but they're like, they're generally more legacy APIs. And Modern Treasury has managed to build a business being able to say, hey, like, I will provide a modern API on top of a legacy API so that all of these like next gen tech companies can build great products on top of that banking infrastructure. So it's kind of interesting, but like, I, look, I think that 
in the end, like modern APIs are integral to everything that we talk about around embedded finance or whatever we call it, you know? Right, right. Well, in this world of embedded finance, who do you think gets disintermediated? Is it is it the banks? Is it ISOs? Is it both banks and ISOs? And and overall, like what does it mean to sort of a traditional payments company or sort of the traditional payments industry? Do you how do you kind of view that? What do you think it means to the industry as a whole? I think in the end, I think it's less about disintermediate. You'll get disintermediated if you don't see like where things are going if you are, let's say, let's say a bank, right? Because I just talked about a bank from a modern treasury perspective. Like I think inherently in our system, like we work with a ton of bank partners. We work with a lot of regulated entities, regulatory bodies. We work really closely with governments, right? So we'll work with the Singaporean government will work with, we have an EMI in Europe, and so like we're deeply embedded in the EU. Like We're inherently going to continue to work with pretty much all those players. Now, who gets disintermediated? If you're not willing to partner, then I think there's a pretty good chance that you're going to become irrelevant, right? But inherently, the services that we're providing are somewhat still like connected into the networks, the banks, the regulatory bodies that exist today. And I think they exist for the right reasons, which is to keep the ecosystem safe. So it's kind of like <laughs> you don't get disintermediated unless you just aren't paying attention. If you're not paying attention, you're definitely going to get disintermediated because then you're going to say, well, I think I know a better way and or I think that these fintechs or these like modern API embedded finance, whatever you call them, are never gonna make it. And then then you're standing around waiting to figure out like, okay, what's next? And everyone's moved past you. But that's kind of what I would say. I don't know what you think, but like I mean that's that's what I would say is probably that's what I see is happening already anyway. Yeah, I mean I think it's kind of true with any newer trend in the industry or new product or whatever. I mean, I mean, I've been in payments for 20 years and I think the first year I was ever in it, ISOs were going to go away. Well, here we are 20 years later and there's still a role for ISOs in the payments industry. And I think to your point, the ones who have survived have been the ones that have adapted and offer the new products and have figured out a way to build a business around it. And I don't think this is going to be any different, right? They're going to, ISOs are going to figure out how to offer insurance or credit cards or bank account, whatever they may be. The ones that are going to be successful are going to figure out how to do that. And then when it comes to banks, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the ones who just kind of sit around and don't do anything, obviously, they're going to get disintermediated. But I think you've got plenty of players out there in the space, like you've already mentioned, some modern treasure, even the things you guys are doing, that's going to keep the banks relevant. So that's kind of my view on it. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, unless you're sitting on your hands, you're going to be fine. But like, if you're sitting on your hands, well, then, you know. Right. <laughs> there you're you going to pay the price for that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So... What do you think the future of embedded finance looks like? Like, where do we go from sort of where we are today? Which, in my view, payments is integrated or embedded. Some companies are starting to offer some other products from an embedded perspective. But I think there's a long way to go. But what do you think the future looks like? I think there'll be more product sets that you're not seeing today that are going to continue to get embedded. And I think like, you know, like I think the line between a tech company like us and a bank is going to probably start blurring, right? Like 
we have a whole bunch of licenses. We continue to get more licenses. At some point, then you say, okay, well, what do you do with those licenses? And what additional services can you provide? And, you know, like we've obviously seen what happened with BNPL and it's kind of like, Again, BNPL is not going anywhere. I think it got overhyped. And I think like it's not like BNPL is going anywhere tomorrow, but like I think there's probably some companies that may not make it all the way through. But like I think then in our world, like you probably see things like credit. Like, you know, you already see Stripe is offering a credit offering, you know, Marketa bought a company to do credit. So I think like you're gonna start seeing companies like us that have a whole bunch of licenses that are tech forward that are basically going to say, hey, like I gave you like the basics of what you could do from an embedded finance perspective. Now I can take that and like up it another level with the financial products that I can offer because I now have the regulatory constructs, the compliance constructs, and I have the licensing to allow me to do it. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot more of over the course of the next few years. And I think that's where we want to play as well. Okay. And in your mind, is there sort of anything that keeps this trend from becoming a global trend? Um, no, I don't think you can stop this train. I really like, I think it's look, everything that we just talked about right now, right? Is that you have modern APIs that allow other companies to build into this. I think the only thing that can prevent this from moving forward or something that could kind of like stop it a little bit or put it on pause is if you have too many bad players in the system, right? Like, because on some level, like, this is the same reason that I'm saying, like, you have to work with banks, you have to work with regulators, you have to ensure that, like, you're maintaining the integrity of the system. Now, if some regulatory bodies or some tech companies become too loose with the way that they do things, and then it causes issues within the ecosystem, then there's going to be a blowback, right? Like, similar to, like, what we're seeing with crypto, right, where it's going to be hard to come back from this blowback. Like It's going to take a little bit of time. And I think the same thing will happen with embedded finance. If, if the companies that are providing the infrastructure or the underlying banks or license holders are like creating havoc within the system. So I think that's what can stop it. But it probably won't stop it forever, right? Like This is the way that things are moving. And, and I think a few bad actors could kind of put it on pause or put it on ice, but I think this is the way forward. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Well, Robin, we've covered a lot of ground so far, obviously covering what you guys do, a little bit of your view of where everything's headed, a little bit about embedded finances. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, look, I mean, I think it's an exciting time to be in this space. I think like I was just telling a few folks like this market is like huge and like especially around b2b payments like i think there's so much more innovation that is going to happen because a lot of folks were saying like hey what do you think is interesting about neom and like how do you see it different from your days in merchant acceptance at adyen and i was like we've been digitizing merchant acceptance and consumer for a long time now but b2b payments hasn't really had that and it's a massive market and it's not like it's not like we're going to change the whole thing overnight, but when you have that big of a market and there hasn't been that much change over the last like 20 years, the same way that we saw on acceptance and consumer, I think there's a lot of opportunity. So it's going to, I mean, this is why I'm excited to be part of this space. And I think that it'll be interesting to see what companies like us and others will do. Because, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for us to grow, but there's also a lot of pain points that, that you see companies having over the last few years. Yeah, totally agree. 
Well, Robin, I really appreciate your time. I know it's very valuable. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for listening to this episode in our special series, Be Solid, brought to you by NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale. For more information on embedded finance and this episode, please visit www.nmi.com slash resources slash podcasts. And remember, in a world of squares and stripes, be solid. Be solid.